0: I want us to think this morning about stories. Do you have a favorite story? Uh, I love the movie Hoosiers. Grew up in Indiana. Uh, Basketball was my world, my life, and and, uh, I had no idea what Olytic or oolitic, as I pronounced it, was at the time. Um, But I love the movie, not just for the scenery and all that kind of stuff, and because I love Gene Hackman, but because he took a bunch of nobodies, and they won the state tournament. And as a, as a young kid, you know, that, that, was what I, that was what I wanted my story to be. Um, everybody loves a good story. This morning, as we continue to remember the faithfulness of God, as we continue to tell the story, um, I, 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 I want to do something a little bit different this morning. Listen to what the psalmist said long ago. He said in Psalm 107, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. So let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. When's the last time you just told your story? Just of God's faithfulness in this particular circumstance, or as you've looked back. We're to remember his faithfulness throughout the years by telling our story, the the Passover was an annual festival where the israelites were called to collectively remember remember how god's delivered us how he sustained us that he loves us that we're his children to remember the plans that he has for us and how he gifts us with his presence in order to outfit us for the mission to which he's called us to partner with him in in establishing the kingdom of god here on earth You know, so many of us suffer from spiritual amnesia. We forget that his body was broken and that his blood was poured out, that we might inherit eternal life for here and now. That he's overcome the grave, that he's defeated death and the evil one, and that he invites us into this resurrection life with him. Last week we explored Paul's instructions to the church about the Lord's Supper. That every time we share in communion, that we're called to remember our true identity that unites, not divides us. Today, I want to help us to remember our story together as the Church of the Nazarene. How long have you been a part of the Church of the Nazarene? Who God has established, particularly this local church, to become. You know, you all, maybe you drove by a number of other churches to get here this morning. Perhaps you passed by some really, really good ones. But I'm, I'm glad to be a part of the Church of the Nazarene. We're not the only church, not the only denomination. But God has a story that he has gifted to us. And, and maybe this is your very first time with us. Maybe you passed by a ton of other websites to get to our site this morning. But um, I'd like to share with you our story, the story of the Church of the Nazarene. And and in so doing, share with you my story. My story, um, this is a picture of my family, 1979. I was seven years old. And uh, you can see uh, my mom and dad, Ron and Pat. Some of you have met him, met them. They've been here several times, and my older sister, Dina. They, my parents were befriended by Dick and Carol Davis. They invited my mom and dad to the Portage, Indiana, First Church of the Nazarene. And Dick and Carol they pointed my family to Jesus. They sacrificially poured their lives into my. Mom and Dad. My parents both dedicated their lives to Christ there in the Portage Church. Dad grew in his faith. He became a leader, a Sunday school superintendent, board member. Mom ran the nursery. She was the coordinator for centuries, it felt like. And I was a kid nurtured in our children's ministry. I could tell you the names of teachers like Dorothy Rogers. I don't remember a story that she told but I remember the donuts that she brought. And our fourth grade boys class, we loved it. As a young uh, adolescent, I don't know how um, I didn't get beat up with that haircut, but, but as a teenager entering the youth group, you know, life, life isn't easy for teens. I, 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 um, I had adults like Dick Davis who just poured their lives into me. My youth pastor, Greg Tucker, he became a living illustration of Jesus for me in the midst of some hard years of trying to figure out who am I? Who, who am I? As my haircuts changed, as my dress changed, as the peer groups that I hung out with changed, as I tried on different, you know, identities as, as well as clothing, I, I was trying to fit in, trying to find my place, trying to discover who I was. And those guys, they taught me the stories of faith, how to discern God's voice. They gave me opportunities within a loving faith family to work out my faith, to serve others, and to belong. As a teen, I remember hearing my pastor announce one Sunday that we were going to be going on a work and witness trip. We were going to be going to Brazil to help construct a church there. The team you see there before, it was mostly adults, but Dick Davis was going on the trip. And if my mentor, Dick Davis, was going, then shoot, I'll go along. And we went and served along the Nazarene missionaries, the Ludwigs, and several Nazarene churches there just outside of Sao Paulo to help construct another church that they were planning, as well as a compassionate ministry that these churches had begun. On that trip, I discovered that the world was so much bigger than just northwest Indiana, and so was my God. That He's active in people's lives everywhere. I saw poverty and justice at a different level, but because my church, the Church of the Nazarene, said, let's go and let's go together, I also encountered grace, redemption, and the love of God through His people, something began to stir in my heart to personally give my life in service to God on that kind of intergenerational mission trip. When I returned home from the trip, I shared my experience with my pastor, Pastor Dwayne Schmidt, and, and he affirmed that, that God had been speaking to me, and that just maybe God was calling me to serve in pastoral ministry. In fact, Kevin, maybe God's called you to preach! You, you should come and share your testimony. Testimony with the board. You should tell them what God is doing. Oh, i was so nervous standing before the board. I hadn't even given a three-minute speech in speech class yet. But they encouraged me. They helped me to discover that yes, I, I was called by God to give my life in service. They said things like, "We believe in you. We believe that God is doing something in your life now." Now continue to learn to listen and to serve. This is the picture of my pastor, Dwayne Schmidt, uh, awarding me before the congregation my local minister's license. And they encouraged me to go to this school called Olivet Nazarene University. Now, I was going to go to Indiana University. Bobby Knight was going to make me a superstar before I went on to the NBA. But I guessed, okay, I'll go to Olivet. I'll, I'll break all their scoring records. God sent me, he called me to Olivet Nazarene University. And I, and I remember when I moved into the freshman dorm, Chapman Hall. Anybody ever been to Chapman Hall? Yeah. The, the, the building was like 100 years old. This large framed picture of some old guy from years long past named Chapman was, was right there in the, in the lobby um, entryway. I was a little anxious when I saw this dusty old man and thought, boy, if this is what school is all about, if these are the professors, I was scared it was going to be boring and dreary and as lifeless as old man Chapman on the wall, whoever that was. But I had a blast. I met tons of new friends, including this beautiful lady here that you may recognize. She hasn't changed one bit. It was at Olivet Nazarene University that I responded to God's invitation to give all of me, not just a part, all of me to him. I I was entirely sanctified or, or set apart and said, God, here's all of me. I give myself to you, my past, my future, my hopes, my dreams, all that I was and all that I would be. God did something amazing in me during my college years. He filled me with his Holy Spirit. He gave me this gift of the Holy Spirit, of a Christ-like heart, a, a desire to please him. It was nothing of my own making. It was all about him. He purified my motives. And as God first loved me, through the gift of his Holy Spirit, he equipped me to love him and to love others. It is a gift that is offered to every single one of us during those years of college sarah and i we fell in love i love to tell how she saw me across a crowded room she had to have me after three years of dating we finally graduated and and then we stood at the front of sarah's home church before her pastor and the church of the nazarene all of our family and and friends and in that moment we said yes not only to lifelong faithfulness To one another, but lifelong faithfulness to God as well. Again, responding to God's first love and his yes to us as a couple. We said, I do to God and to the plans that he had for our lives together in service to him. And I'm so thankful for Sarah's home church, the Pittsfield, Illinois Church of the Nazarene, for shaping a young lady that we could say, let's do life together. Sarah was called into the world of numbers, ultimately the world of finance, and I was called to preach. And so we packed up and headed to Kansas City to the Nazarene Theological Seminary to receive some further critical preparation. My first day on the seminary campus, as I walked into the lobby, I was greeted by this large gathering of framed old photos, seminary presidents, professors from days gone by. Guess who was in that gallery? Old man Chapman. Hanging on the wall there. Unlike my first day in college, this time I was a little less anxious, a little more optimistic and and hopeful about what God was doing and was going to do in my life here even through this time at school. God was teaching me to trust him for the road ahead. During our three years at the seminary, I had professors like Dr. Ed Robinson who who spoke into my life in some critical ways, preparing me, helping me to begin to lead a local church, how to carefully read, study, and preach the word faithfully, how to provide pastoral care, to lead a ministry staff, and most importantly, just how to listen and respond to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Here I am today, thanks in large part to the faithfulness of my parents and their friends like Dick and Carol Davis. Because of the Portage First Church of the Nazarene, because of the faithful faculty, staff, and friends at Olivet Nazarene University, and those like Dr. Ed Robinson and Nazarene Theological Seminary. And that's not to mention the wonderful Nazarene congregations that. Sarah and I and our family these last 26 years have had the opportunity to be a part of that have loved us, that have helped us to shape our boys, um, that have invited us into ministry together and been gracious to us. I can look back over these last 50 years of my life and see so clearly in the roof mirror that God has been faithful. When we willingly align our stories with the story of God, the story that he's wanting to write through us, it's amazing how God unites us together to do some pretty incredible things for his glory. For our good and for the good of the world. That's my story in a nutshell, but I've still got some more time left. I'd like to, to go back more than 50 years of my lifetime, but an entire century. I think this maybe gives a, a better perspective of my story, where I've come from, but possibly your story as well. This might help you as you look back to be a little more inspired to follow God in the, in the days ahead. And so bear with me as I go back about exactly 100 years. Back to this young couple named John and Sarah Bales and their two little girls, Mary. Mary's the one up top with the the bow in her hair and, and little Margie. The Bales family, they owned and operated a farm in southwest Oklahoma during the difficult days of the Great Depression. Just like my parents many years later, John and Sarah, they were befriended by a Nazarene couple named JB and his wife Maud. JB and Maud would, would often sit in the Bale's kitchen sipping coffee and building their friendship its ships and sharing their stories, just like the Davises did with my parents. JB and Maud would pour themselves sacrificially into John and Sarah. J.B. loved to tell stories about how he came to faith in Christ, about his call to ministry, and his early days as a pastor, about this new movement of God, this new denomination that God had, uh, was bringing together, not because of you know anger and division and splits in the church over the color of the carpet, but God was bringing together from the east, the west, and the south, Some people who were united together in ministry. This new movement called the Church of the Nazarene, being forged from the fire of the Holy Spirit, sipping his coffee there in the kitchen. J.B. would tell excitedly how, at an early age, 25 years prior to the inception of the Church of the Nazarene, God used his little church family to help him discover that God was calling him to be a preacher. Now, J.B., he was incredibly uneducated, but he met this beautiful young lady named Maud. She was a schoolmaster. This was back in the late 1800s. And Maud helped her now young husband learn how to write, how to speak, correct grammar. She equipped him and helped him to preach. J.B. would tell the Bales the story of how God called him to, to plant his first church in this small town of Durant, Oklahoma. Right in the heart of Indian territory. J.B. would preach and, and he'd teach the scriptures. And he would call his congregation to holiness or Christ-like living. To allow the Spirit of God to entirely sanctify their lives to be used For Christ's purposes, right there in Indian Territory, to love the Choctaw, the Seminole Indians, the Chickawal, that that they would encounter, uh, understanding that the good news they preached was expressed with so much more than just words, but loving, practical, compassionate ministries. JB's little church, it It grew. And it wasn't long before he found himself leading this whole network of holiness churches throughout both Oklahoma and Texas. The network not only planted churches, but they established all kinds of compassionate ministries, like, like this home for orphans and widows. For J.B. and those involved in the holiness movement, compassionate ministries was, it was at the forefront of what it meant To be Christian. Not only to love God, but to love the world around us. To pour ourselves out sacrificially as God pours in to us. JB would lean forward in that kitchen in his chair and he would tell the bales. It was right around this time as a young pastor. It was right around this time in my life that the church of the Nazarene began to take root. There's a picture here from Pilot Point, Texas. In 1908, JB's network of churches in the south, as well as church leaders representing holiness networks from both the east and the west, they all came together here at Pilot Point, Texas to form one united denomination, saying, you know what, if we could have liberty in the non-essentials, if we could find unity in the essential beliefs of of what it means to be Christian, of the call to holy, entirely sanctified lives, of love, compassionate love poured out to the world. If we can do that, boy, what a difference that we could make. All three groups together recognized, while there may be some diversity in some peripheral matters, they were united by two core convictions. First, concerning their understanding of what the Bible says about this intimate inner work of the Spirit of God, not just to forgive us from our past and not just to cleanse our heart, but to truly empower the Christian to live a life of victory, victory over temptation, that when God says to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves, that that we can do that. And second, that this spirit-filled, Christ-like life resulted not only in a people who separated or, 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 not, or not a people who removed themselves from the sinful world around them. Rather, to the contrary, they believe that a spirit-filled life compelled them to compassionately go into all the world, including the dark and difficult places where people are living and struggling to come alongside those and serve in all kinds of challenges of pain, poverty, alcoholism, drug addiction, loneliness, grief, and such. This is in the notes, but did you know the Church of the Nazarene, that the reason that we have taken a strong stance for abstinence from alcohol, it's not because, you know, alcohol is so bad in and of itself. But in that time of the Great Depression... There were so many who turned to booze and whose lives were being destroyed by it. And so the church of the Nazarene just said, you know what? Let's just totally abstain in the, for the sake of love. Just like somebody who struggles with smoking, you wouldn't light up right in front of them. The church of the Nazarene just said, for the sake of love, let's, let's abstain. This dual emphasis of teaching, the spirit-filled life of heart holiness as well as practicing Christ-like compassionate service in the world they became the two pillars upon which the network of churches finally merged together as one denomination now I wasn't there in that kitchen and I'm guessing most of you weren't either but I imagine JB leaning forward in his chair and excitedly saying to the bales hey you want to hear how we decided upon our new name. I I was there in the committee. Do you want to hear how we finally landed upon the name the Church of the Nazarene? And I'm guessing the Baals, and certainly his wife heard the story over and over and over again, but they just said, sure, JB, we want to hear it again. And he said, you know, we wanted our church to be identified with our Savior, but not the high and mighty King Almighty, even though that's who he truly is. But the Savior, the one who came into the world, sent to identify with the poor, with the outcast, with the marginalized, with the brokenhearted. And so there in that committee meeting, someone quoted the scripture that says, you know, nothing good comes out of Nazareth. And so the name stuck. The Church of the Nazarene. We we follow the one who leads us to the spiritually Physically and emotionally impoverished to share the good news of the gospel. And right there in that kitchen, J.B. would then ask his friends, his new fellow Nazarenes in the mission of Christ. He'd say, hey, um, God's doing a a new work in this new church. And I want to invite you to invest in what God is doing. We're wanting to build a Nazarene church right here in town in, in Oklahoma. Right here in Bethany, Oklahoma. R- remember, J.B. was never afforded a strong education and he certainly wanted to make sure that the church of the Nazarene was investing in equipping young people to follow Jesus in, in whatever vocational calling. John, J.B. would ask, I, I want to ask you something. Would you be willing to help us? Could could I borrow some money to help get this college here in Bethany started? And John would put on his hat. He'd head down to the Bethany local bank, and he'd take out the loan and the amount that J.B. had requested and and then come back and, and give it to him. Time and time again over the years, J.B. would come to his farmer friend, Share a vision of this young, new church and what the leaders were believing together prayerfully that God was wanting to do. Like strategically establish another educational institution or a compassionate ministry initiative. And time and time again, Farmer John would listen, put on his hat, head down to the bank, take out a loan and give it to J.B. And time and time again, every time, J.B., would ultimately pay his friend back. This story of a farm family in Oklahoma, their, their friendship with J.B. and his wife and Maud, their shared investment in the beginnings of the Church of the Nazarene, this isn't just a story. This is part of our story. And this is part of our story as a restoration church of the Nazarene. John and Sarah's little girl, Mary, is Sarah's grandmother. My wife, our worship ministries director. And Grandma Mary, up until her death a few years ago, she loved to tell her childhood stories, her memories of watching Dad and JB there in the kitchen, and Dad would hear the vision, hear the story, put on his hat, go down to the bank, and come back and... Give to J.B., and J.B. would serve the Church of the Nazarene. In Grandma Mary's last years on on earth, before going home to be with Jesus, her her short-term memory had completely failed her. But she never forgot. She could always recite the story, this is my story, with a twinkle in her eye, how she'd overhear J.B. and her daddy talking. Daddy would put on his hat and go. You know, it was because of Dr. J.B. Chapman, that same old guy in my Olivet Nazarene dorm. It it was because of his vision for higher education within the Church of the Nazarene that my parents, uh, my wife's parents, uh, whom played played some music here with us when they were here last, It, it was because of his investment, Dr. Chapman's and what would become Southern Nazarene University, that Sarah's parents met there, and I thank God that they met. And it was because of early Nazarenes like Dr. Chapman and others that I was able to discover my true identity in Christ and find my wife at Olivet Nazarene University, and it was in part because of Dr. Chapman and many, many Nazarenes around the country That I was afforded the theological training needed to serve as your pastor? The the Church of the Nazarene believes in reaching and equipping young people to step into the world, not just pastors, but into every vocation and to make an impact for Christ. Did you know that Restoration Church of the Nazarene, you, uh, along with 22 plus thousand other local Nazarene churches worldwide, that every week when we receive the offering, that about 2.5% of that, it goes to Olivet Nazarene University. So church, thanks for helping me meet my wife. Today we have three college students that I know of, Seth and Caleb Jones and Trenton Hancock at Nazarene Universities. And did you know that Restoration Church, along with Nazarene churches throughout the whole world, 5.5% at least, of what we receive every week. It goes to evangelism and compassionate ministry projects all over the world. Here's a picture of some Nazarenes in Argentina responding to a crisis there and providing some provisions that, at least in an indirect way, you, Restoration Church of the Nazarene, invested in. Several weeks ago, we received our alabaster offering. That financial investment, that goes to support missional endeavors by constructing buildings, Nazarene churches, Nazarene hospitals and daycares, compassionate ministry centers, places for training, pastors and missionary homes. You're a part of a local church that's making a difference for God's glory, not only here in Bedford and Lawrence County, but all around the world. The the Spirit of God is inviting us to participate in this mission, to follow the example of Christ as we pray and give and go. Next Sunday morning, you're going to be uh, invited to meet some friends of mine, Sam and Christy Seneca and their family. Sam and Christy um, were at the uh, church where, where we served prior to coming here, and they heard the call of God to go. They sold everything and took their little ones and just had, just had a baby in the Dominican Republic, where now they serve as work and witness coordinators there. And you're going to get to meet them next Sunday via video, And we're going to talk about a a partnership where we, Restoration Church in Bedford, can partner with what God is doing in the Dominican Republic. And who knows, Pastor, maybe one day we might even go on a mission trip and get to meet them. The Church of the Nazarene, it is truly a global church, serving in communities in 164 world areas, including some creative access areas where the political threats of just of sharing the gospel are very serious although the church of the nazarene was born in the united states today 65 percent of Nazarenes and over 80 percent of the church's 439 geographical districts they're outside the u.s the church of the nazarene certainly isn't the only denomination we have brothers and sisters in christ in many great other churches, but my church, our church, the Church of the Nazarene is really making a global impact as we answer God's call to make Christ-like disciples, both here and all over the world. That listen to the psalmist, the psalmist who wrote Psalm 107. We read the first few verses at the beginning, but here now towards the end psalmist writes, they will see in our history, they meaning the world, the world will see in our history or his story, the faithful love of the Lord. You know, we believe. We believe that the history of the church of the Nazarene, it, it clearly reveals the faithful love of God. And, and I wonder in your story, what does your story say about God? About his faithfulness, about his provision, about the ways that he is using you to partner with him in mission. We believe. We believe in the good news of God. We believe that Christ in Christ we find grace and forgiveness. And restoration of life. We believe that God equips us to live holy Christ-like lives through the Holy Spirit. We believe wholeheartedly in investing our lives in God's mission. This, This is who we are. Do you remember who you are? Do you remember who we are? As we continue to remember and to look to the past... Even tonight as we tell our stories and celebrate God's faithfulness. It is in the remembering that God helps us to take the next steps forward. To trust him. To follow him. This is who we are and this is what we believe. I want to invite you to stand church if you would. I went back a century. I want to go back two centuries to a creed that was developed among church leaders. They, They developed this creed to simply help the church universal all around the world to proclaim this is at the core of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. This is what we believe. And so would you just recite the Apostles' Creed with me? We believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth,